Father, we thank you for all that you have done already here. We thank you for the opportunity and the spirit in here to, to worship you and to honor you and to surrender in worship. And we ask you to continue to call us higher. Call us to that sweet place where by your spirit we can visit with your presence. For you desire that more than anything. For Jesus told us that the Father longs for, desires true worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth. And we're here because we desire to be those true worshipers. So teach us, draw us by your spirit. Father, we thank you for the ministry gifts that you've given to us to aid us and assist us in what you've called us to do here today. And now we thank you, Father, for the word that you've given your word to us, Lord. You know what the, your church needs, and you've given to us already. So you've given to us your word, and you've given to us your precious Holy Spirit. And so we ask you, Father, by the anointing of that Spirit, that we are able to take this living word and breathe by the Spirit of God into our hearts, that we may leave here today not so much with more information, but with more truth deposited in our hearts. Father, you've called us here to live at a very difficult time when the world is getting confusing and darkness, but you are faithful to your people. You are faithful to your people to give them light and to give them truth. And so we ask you today by the anointing of your spirit to do that. In order to do that, Lord, I surrender to you my own ideas. I let them go. I only want to allow you to speak through to me today that which you want to say to all of us. And we thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to John 18. While you're doing that, while I was praying, something kind of went off in me. We're talking about, obviously, what is truth. And the, and the reason for that is we are living in a time of great confusion. And, 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 and the most difficult part is that a lot of people are confused and don't know they're confused. <laughs> and, and a lot of people in the church that are confused but don't know they're confused. Uh, as a pastor, I've been listening to a good teacher, and, <laughs> and he said, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, you confused me. He says, no, nah, you were confused when you came. <laughs> he said, all I did is expose your confusion. <laughs> and that's what the Word of God will do. In Hebrews it says the Word of God is active and powerful, more powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the hearts and discerning the difference between the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. It'll meddle in your life if you're at all open. But it brings truth, but it brings truth in love. And while I was praying, it kind of reminded me of, of you know, we're living in times that tend to get darker and darker and darker. But one of the plagues that came on Egypt when Moses was, when God was doing those ten great signs and wonders so that Pharaoh would release the Israel and let them go, was a darkness fell on the land. But the darkness fell on the land, but it didn't fall on Goshen where God's people lived. And so while the, land, the world is getting darker and darker and more and more confused, we are the light of the world. The church... The Christians are the light of the world, and the darker the, the, the darker the environment, the easier it is for the light to shine. I have a little little pen light uh, uh, flashlight, and if I shine it around during the day, you can't see much. But if I get up in the middle of the night with it, when it's dark, you can see that light more clearly. And so this is what God wants to do for us. Did you find John 18? All right, I didn't. I was too busy talking. All right, as you can see on the board behind me, 
we're still looking at this subject of what is truth. And I want to go back. I felt led last week. I just kind of described this again. But I want to go back and reread our foundation verses. And this is Jesus while he's been tried by the, by the Sanhedrin, the Jews. He's now been brought before Pilate, who was the ruling Roman authority in the, in the, in the region. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, which was the area where they conducted the trials, again, and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And Paul, Paul, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What is it you've done? And this is what I want you to see. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You rightly say, I am a king. So let's stop there a second. Because we're picking up what we talked about last week. We talked about last week... The, the, the philosophies, the, 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 what's called in the Bible, the imaginations, the thinking processes that are out in our society and have saturated our society, and the name that's been given to them is postmodernism. And I'm not speaking against postmodernism, I want to speak what the truth is. But we need to understand what that is because there's deception in that. And, and, and again, I'm not doing this to convert somebody that believes in postmodernism. I'm doing it to equip you and me to go out into a world that's saturated with this so we're not confused about it. Now, I, I went back over that very quickly because one of the things I lo- talked about last week was one of the things that's wrong with it, one of the things that's wrong with our philosophies around the world is that besides the fact that they're just logically... They're, they're logically uh, fail. And I don't even get into that. I may talk about that later. But more than that, they make a major assumption. Because remember, uh, postmodernism, the philosophy that's being taught out there in our colleges, the philosophy that's being taught in our, in our high schools, even into our grade schools and middle schools, is that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Remember I used Pastor Kurt's guitar over there last week? You know, if that, does that guitar really exist out there or is it just something that I see and perceive because, because Brendan over there is going to look at it differently because he's going to see the, the back of it and I can't see the back of it. Therefore, maybe it's just my perception of it. So they teach that there's no such thing as absolute truth. So you form truth for yourself. So I respect your truth. You respect my idea of truth. Therefore, we don't want to offend each other. We went through all of that last week. But here's what I wanted you to see here. It makes this assumption that there is nothing else that exists beyond what I can see or understand. It makes an assumption that there is no other realm of existence out there that I may not see or understand. And that's what Pilate's doing here. He's saying, are you a king? And Jesus said, I'm a king of a kingdom that's not of this world. I am royalty and king in a realm that's not of this world, but it's very real. And so Pilate said, well, are you a king then? And Jesus said, you say rightly that I'm a king, but I'm not a king in this realm. I'm a king in that realm. 
So Pilate, well, let's go on. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. So I have come out of this other kingdom. I've come out of this other realm into this realm for the purpose of bearing witness to, of displaying and of communicating the truth. And I suggest to you that that is why the church is here. That the church is also not of this realm. The church's ways and the church's views are not of this realm, or shouldn't be. But the church is in this realm. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. There's this particular type of spider that lives underwater, but it breathes air. So what it does is it takes air bubbles under its legs and brings them down and builds this place where there's an air bubble and breathes through it. But it's not of the water. But it's living in the water. But it needs, oh, this will work. It needs to take air from where it is from and bring it into where it's living so that it can live. Ooh. 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 In the same way, Christians are not of this world. Our life doesn't come from this world, our hope doesn't come from this world. Our provision doesn't come from this world. It uses this world. But we live in this world because we're here for a purpose. But just as that spider can't breathe water, which is what the atmosphere is where it lives, but it's got to go back to where it's from to get what it needs to take back in there. In the same way Christians cannot live on the stuff of this world. But we need to come and to breathe the breath of life of the Spirit so that we are empowered and living to go into this world as demonstrators, as witnesses of the truth. But the church struggles when we're trying to breathe in the life of the world because you are not made as a Christian to live on that. Well, we may come back to that. We've got to move on. I don't know what it did for you, but it did a lot for me. Okay. So, everyone... So Jesus came out of His realm into this realm so that He could, should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In verse 38, so Pilate says to him, what is truth? I shared with you when we began this, we went over into, into John 14, I think it's verse 6, where Jesus tells the disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So we have this amazing irony of the authority in Jerusalem from, from Caesar, the most powerful man on the earth at the time, his representative there, and you have in front of him a man from Galilee with robes on who has no crown yet. He's going to have a crown of thorns in a few minutes. And he's standing there very plainly, 
He's not wearing purple robes. He doesn't have jewelry on. He's just standing there plainly. And it says, I have come from another kingdom to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate, educated, smart, looks at him and says, what is truth? And yet truth is standing in front of him at that very moment. And that describes where we are today. We have highly educated people in places of authority. And they're looking to search the truth. Many of them are sincere. They're trying to find the truth. And when the truth has come to the earth, and Jesus is not here physically, but He's here through His body, which is you and me and the church. So that's what we're, our foundation is here. He came into this world to bear witness to the truth, but Pilate could not recognize truth in front of him. Again, we've talked about what this world's predominant philosophy is, which is postmodernism, which is there's no such thing as absolute or independent truth. It's only what I... So I make truth for me, you make truth for you. There's no universal truth, so everybody's views have merit. Therefore, the predominant view is we can't offend each other. Because there's no, why, why could I offend you by what I believe is truth when there's no such thing as absolute truth? Because you have a right to believe what you want, so I would not offend you with what I think is truth. Which means as a church, we would never talk about heaven and hell. Of course, they don't believe in a heaven and hell because they're absolute truths. We talked about language is, a, is one of the primary things. In their, in, their, in their philosophy, language does not describe reality, language creates reality. And so we're living in a world which is, which is called, where they spin the truth. Where, and I gave you a quote last week, that whether something's right or wrong, whether something's right or wrong, you can make it right or wrong by how you describe it. And we looked at examples of, of, of how our advertising has done that. So you drive by a, a car lot that used to be a used car lot, it's now pre-owned cars. Same car. Same 12 people that have used it, abused it. <laughs> Same, you know, was in three crashes. Same car, but somehow pre-owned is describing it from the other side. It implies this car was tested out by those other 12 people just to get it ready for you. <laughs> Instead of you're getting the leftovers, they helped prepare it for you. But, but that's exactly what underlies those words. Words create an image, and images are powerful. That's another one of their cardinal beliefs. So that's not so dangerous in that area, but when it comes to news media, when it comes to the entertainment media, those, those avenues of, of, that we're, our hearts are open to, our minds are open to, our ears are open to, that we're allowing to speak into our spirits and hearts, if we don't know, I'm going to tell you this principle. This is one Ed Lewis Cole used to teach years ago, and he's been gone to be home with the Lord for a number of years now. He said, be, and I'm saying this as one of the person that speaks into your life, be careful who you allow speak into your life. Because it's not just what they say, it's the spirit that's behind them. Because when you open your heart to trust somebody to speak to you, you open your heart to that spirit which is why I endeavor as hard as, I, hard as I can to make sure that I do not share any of my ideas, and if I do, I'll tell you it's my idea, but to share with you as best I know how out of prayer and study what God's 
wants to put in my heart what God wants to say to you the way God wants to say it to you. And to me too, because I'm listening while I'm speaking. Okay. All right. So because our culture is satisfied with this way of thinking, and here's another reason for going through this. Again, I'm not trying to convince anybody that's a postmodernist. If I do, wonderful. But I'm not here to try to do that. I would do it differently if I were going to do it. But I'm here to arm you and prepare you to be able to discern truth from error out there. The second thing is to give you boldness because the, the world's philosophy can be intimidating because they'll challenge. Why do you believe what you believe? You believe in a heaven? You can't see it. You believe... You, I mean, first of all, you're crazy because you go to church for two hours on Sunday. Why would anybody in their, on a beautiful day, why would anybody in their bright, white, correct mind... <laughs> sit in church and listen to a white-haired old white guy speak for two hours. Well, I don't speak for two hours. It may seem like it sometimes. Why would you do that? They don't understand why you do that. When, why I used to drive an hour. Why, why Nick drives over an hour to come down here every Sunday and others drive far. Why? Because truth. With all the confusion out there, people want to hear Truth unless they just don't want to hear it, because some people really don't, but most people want to hear truth. But we can be intimidated. When, I'll put it this way. And see, when I know this is truth, I don't care what anybody believes, I know it's true. And this is maybe part of the legal, legal training. But I'll give you an example. Suppose an atheist comes up to you and says, How do you know there's a God? My answer is, How do you know there's not? I'm not intimidated by atheists. I'm not intimidated by people that challenge what I think because I know why I believe what I believe. But if you don't have some kind of understanding, you can be intimidated if you don't have some understanding of is there... Is there because I think in our day and age, sometimes people think that, 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 that in order to be able to... In order to think clearly, that means you can't be a Christian. You've got to throw... It's like Romans 12, 2 says, Be transformed by the removing of your mind. <laughs> now it says the renewing of it. You can't renew it if you don't have it. <laughs> so if you throw it out, you can't renew it. That it's all emotion, it's all feeling, that, that faith is blind faith. And it's, that nothing could be further from the, from the truth. You've heard me share my testimony before about how when I was practicing law in that large law firm, and I was struggling with these things because I had met some real Christians who really believed this and really lived it. And it was, it was, it, it was pressing in on me. And, and I know the Spirit of God was, trying, was drawing me at the time. But my head was getting in my way because I had an attitude. An attitude is a preconceived idea that limits what you're open to hear. And my preconceived idea was that Christians, Christianity was for women because it was emotional. And it was for weak-minded men. But anybody that was really intelligent wouldn't have to rely on those things in order to get by because they could think their way through it. And I was sincere. That's why I majored in philosophy in college. Not because it was an easy subject. It wasn't. Because at that point, I wasn't saved. I was trying to find out how intelligent people had figured out what life was all about. And at the end of four years, I discovered they didn't know what they were talking about. 
but now I knew why they didn't, I, I knew they didn't know what they were talking about. And so, and it was not, a, it was, well, I don't want to go there, don't take too much time. And so, where was I before I interrupted myself? Oh yeah, okay, my own testimony. And, and so I was struggling with this. Something was drawing me, that was the Holy Spirit, but my mind was in the way. And then God began to break that down. I ran across a book by Chuck Colson, Born Again. It was his testimony. For those of you who are younger, Chuck Colson was President Nixon's personal lawyer through the Watergate affair and, and, and actually went to prison because he participated in some of the cover-up. But before he did that, he was hired away from, from, uh, from the, the second largest law firm in Boston in fact, he was the managing partner of the second largest law firm in Boston, which was right across the street from our large law firm. And I ran across this man's book, and I read his story. He didn't fit the image of Christians that I had. So God was starting to jar my attitude. And then as I read the book, I discovered that the man who led him to the Lord was the president and CEO of Raytheon Corporation. Now my... My, my attitude's getting really shaken because that doesn't fit in with my attitude. And then I ran across a book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, who was a professor of English at Oxford University. And this man just broke it down intelligently and believed this. And that's all I needed. That just broke apart my attitude. And I'm sharing that with you because these men were not intimidated. So I'm not intimidated anymore. I know why I believe what I believe. And so I'm sharing this so that you can be armed. One of the things as I was talking with some of the staff this week, Paul emphasizes the importance of doctrine, of right doctrine. And we're living in a world where in teaching in churches, doctrine's not going out the window, but it's not taught very often. But what doctrine does is basically what we believe and why we believe it. Doctrine becomes a foundation in troubling times. Because when we have certain doctrines, certain things we believe, that way, that way we know what we believe and don't forget what we believe. Because as you understand, as human beings, we kind of drift. You ever wake up one morning, just, God is so wonderful. And by the end of the day, where are you? And He hasn't moved. But we have. So doctrine are so important, and that's kind of what we're getting into here. All right. So postmodernism, aside from the fact that it's logically defective, and we talked about that last week, postmodernism teaches that there's no such thing as absolute truth, and then the question is, is that absolutely true? Because if it's absolutely true, then there is an absolute truth. If it's not absolutely true, then how do I know it's true, and why would I believe it? Some of you will get that when you go home. So. Okay. Now, it's based on the assumption that, that all that exists is what we can see and we can understand. And as I shared with you last week, that's pretty arrogant. <laughs> it's pretty arrogant to think, I'm so smart, I can figure out all of reality. <clears throat> and I know I've got, we, we now have, you know, wonderful scientific tools to, and you know, electronic telescopes and electronic microscopes and probes that go out into space. But they've all been created by man based on our understanding of what we're listening for and what we're looking for. 
but the audacity to think that, the, that as bright as we may be, we can understand what's ultimately real. And I told you a story of Fluffy, our hamster. Remember? Fluffy's greatest desire in life was to get out of that cage. And at every opportunity, Fluffy got out. In fact, it only cost Fluffy, Fluffy's life because Fluffy got out and discovered Fluffy couldn't function outside that cage. Interesting, in the Garden of Eden, I've shifted gardens, God said, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. See, God's not stingy. I put it here for you to enjoy. But there's one tree, there's a boundary. There's one tree you can't eat of. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you eat that tree, you will die. In, literally in Hebrews, as in dying, you will die. Why would God do that? Well, one reason is to tell, let them know they don't own it. But they're stewards of it. Another reason is because God knew how He made them. He knew what they could handle and He knew what they couldn't handle. And He knew they could not handle on their own independently the knowledge of good and evil. And if you question that, read your newspaper this morning. Turn the news on. See how we're doing at it. Not too well. But God's, God's plan was, if they just obey Him, they don't need to know the difference between good and evil, because He does. So when man tried to take that on himself, that's when he fell. When Fluffy tried to take the knowledge of our house on himself, he died. He got stuck somewhere and died. We eventually found him. (laughs) But what, what I would do, because I knew Fluffy's desire was to get out and be loose, I knew Fluffy couldn't handle being loose on on his own. So we bought this plastic ball, and you could open it and put Fluffy in there and close it, put him down on the floor, and Fluffy could run all over the house and be as free as he was safe to be free. Oh, this would really preach if I were going in this direction. But what if Fluffy thought, I'm so free, I know what this house is like. And Fluffy's running over, and I told you how old the house was because it was orange shag rug. And Fluffy's running over this, and I don't think Fluffy thought, but suppose Fluffy did. Fluffy thinking, you know what? I know what this carpet's like. I know what this house is like. And yet Fluffy's inside a plastic ball. You and I in that situation realize how silly that is because in that plastic ball, Fluffy cannot know what this house is really like. And I suggest to you that in our flesh and in our carnal limited minds, we cannot know and experience the totality of reality unless it's by the means that God's given us, which we're going to see today by the Spirit. All right. That's by way of background. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I love these verses. Oh, I love the whole Bible, but these verses are so speak to where we are. We're going to read through quite a few verses because this is the main thing we're going to look at today. Paul is writing to a church at Corinth here, and Corinth is and was at that time in Greece. And the Greeks, we're going to see as we read through this, the Greeks invented modern philosophy. Almost none of the philosophical views, almost all of the philosophical views, go back to something that they taught. 
Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and then others. So the, 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 the Greeks, when Paul went there, the Greeks, uh, uh, they esteemed and highly valued man's ability to understand and man's ability to think things through. And so Paul's writing to a church that has that tradition that's been raised with those attitudes. And let's see what he says to them. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, this is God speaking, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This is kind of God talking with the, with the philosophers of the age. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So what he's saying is, he's comparing God's wisdom to the world's wisdom. And he's going to go on and say, the smartest man, the wisest man on earth, all that he can accomplish compared to God is foolishness. But God's weakest, God's most foolish thought, and God doesn't have any, but he's using this as an example, is infinitely wiser than the wisest thought any man ever had. So that's basically what he's saying here. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not come to know God. So Paul is saying, the wisest men with the highest IQs, with the greatest think tanks, the greatest philosophers that have ever lived, the greatest thinkers that have ever lived, with all their thinking and, and, and learning combined, didn't come to know God. Fell infinitely short. And we're going to see why in a minute. He's showing them the limitations of man's thinking on his own apart from God. And remember, that's what postmodernism is. It's, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, sincere men and women who are trying to find, understand their reality by their own thinking or their thinking together. And God's saying, you can't find ultimate reality that way. So it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. In other words, to the world, what we're doing right now is foolish. Preaching the word is foolishness. What good can that do? But it's the method God has ordained to bring change into our lives. Through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe, verse 22. Now he's going to compare the two different seeking of truth. The Jews seek a sign. In other words, the Jews decide what they're going to believe by miracles. They're looking for the miracles. They're looking for the signs. What do the, what do the Pharisees say to Jesus? Prove! Of course, it was all around them, and they couldn't see it. Prove yourself. If you're the Son of Man, do these things. Why doesn't he come down off the cross and prove who he is? The Greeks seek after wisdom. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. That's it. 
Christ crucified, the gospel, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's just foolishness. So to the world, the method of the cross, the message of the cross, the gospel's foolishness. That's why they think you're wasting your time in here. Because they cannot understand why this would do anything for you when it's a sunny day and you can go sit on the beach. I shouldn't tell you that because I might lose some people at the back door. No, I won't. Verse 24. But to those who are called... Are you called? All right, some of you are. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, because the Jews were looking for power, and the wisdom of God, the Greeks were looking for wisdom. Because the full... Go back to verse 24. But those, to those who are called, the Jews and the Greeks, Christ is the power of God, and He is the wisdom of God. All right, now verse 24. Five. Because the foolishness of God, this is what I was saying earlier, is wiser than man. God, if He could possibly be foolish, is infinitely wiser than men. Or what the world looks at of God and calls foolish is infinitely wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26. For see your calling, brethren, that not many wise were called according to the flesh, and not many mighty and not many noble were called. In other words, look around yourself. God has not called into His kingdom necessarily the brightest stars on the earth, (laughs) the richest, the smartest. Now, it's not that He's left them out. It's not that He just picks and chooses. But look around who's responded to God. It's not, all, it's not very often that it's the most intelligent. It, it, can, it can be, or the most noble are called. Verse 27. <clears throat> but God has chosen the foolish things of the world, or what the world looks at as foolish, to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things, what looks weak to the world, to, to put to shame the things that are mighty. Verse 28. And the base things, the unrespected things of the world, and the things that are despised, God has chosen. Aren't you glad? The things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Next verse. So why? So that no flesh would glory in His presence. Verse 30. But of Him, or out of Him, you are in Christ who have become for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now let's go to chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now Paul was capable of that because Paul was highly educated. But he said, I chose not to use my credentials I chose not to use my, 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 the power of my words because I chose to use something else. I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You've got to understand, when you try to share your faith with somebody, that's all you need to share. Jesus died for you for your sins, He was buried for you, and He's been raised again for you. The power is in that message. 
You don't need to argue with people. You don't need to defend it. We just need to say it. We just need to share it. The power is in the message and the Holy Spirit who anoints it. We'll see that in a minute. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but look at this. This is where we're headed, church. This is what has to happen. But I was with you in the demonstration of the Spirit and of His power. Because the answer to this postmodern world is not to argue with them, because they're going to say, you're entitled to your truth that you believe. But I'm entitled to the truth I believe. So don't make me uncomfortable by telling me that there's a hell I'm going to go to if I don't receive this Jesus of yours. And so if you're not prepared for this, all you got to do is tell them. And let the Spirit of God work on them. Okay, verse 5, we'll move on. So that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The answer to this postmodern world is the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. Because when things that happen that they cannot deny, when cha- see the greatest proof of the reality of God is my life was changed. Most of you, if not all of you, are literally a testimony of the reality of God and of the grace of God and of the cross because your lives are changed. Now we're still in the process, but I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that hard, crusty lawyer. Nothing against lawyers, Richard. But my heart was changed. I had a hard heart. A well as a hard head. <laughs> Let's go on. However, we speak a wisdom among those that are mature. In other words, in sharing the gospel with unbelievers, I don't rely on wisdom. I don't try to outthink them. I don't try to outargue them. I just share the simplicity of the cross. But among those of you who believe, there is a wisdom. Yet not the wisdom of this age but nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So the world out there, the world's system, the world's philosophy is coming eventually to nothing. There's a psalm, I think it's Psalm 71 or 74, where the psalmist says, you know, I used to get discouraged because it seems that the, that the unrighteous are prospering and the righteous are struggling. And I really struggled with, God, where are you? Until I walked into the sanctuary and I saw the end of their folly. They come to nothing. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's a hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they'd known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So what Paul's saying here is there's a reality out there, there's a wisdom out there that comes from God, that's in, from God's realm, that people in this world that don't know God, they're blind to it. So they can't help it because they're working with what they've got. What they can help is being arrogant to say that there is nothing beyond what they can understand. They wouldn't, if they'd known this, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. Oh, my favorite verse. As it is written, I has not seen. 
electronic telescope has not seen. The electronic microscope has not seen. Eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Wow. Boy, if you want to have a good day sometime, just meditate on that. That means there are things that I haven't seen yet. I haven't heard yet. Haven't even entered into my heart that God prepared for me. For those who love Him, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, not through our senses, not through our reasoning. There are gifts, there's a reality, there are truths, real truths, true truths, that are out there and God has in His kingdom for us that we haven't seen yet. Oh my goodness, the hope that lays before us. If you could get a glimpse of it, you'd never worry, you'd never be afraid. I've told you a number of times of several friends I've had that have died and, and, and gone to heaven and come back. And they said, you know, John, I can't worry. I, just, I can't fear. I can't make myself fear. Because what's the worst thing going to happen to me? I die! And I've already seen what that's like. I'd rather be there now than here. They've been revealed to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches. Oh, I love this. God's not sitting there saying, 20 questions, guess what I have for you. See if you can guess. Oh, come on, guess. Because He knows we don't think big enough. But instead, the Holy Spirit that lives in you is searching all things, yes, emphasize, the deep things of God. Not the deep secrets, the deep gifts, those things that are down deep in God's heart. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to search down in God's heart for the things that are in His heart for you. And then reveal them to you. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The only one that really knows what's going on inside of you is your spirit. In the same way, the only thing that, that really knows what's in God's heart is the Spirit of God, God's Spirit. Verse 12. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit who has come from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We're talking here about two realities. The modern thought is all based on the assumption that there is no other reality out there other than what we can see, feel, touch, and we can grasp and understand with our brilliant minds and all the devices we've created for ourselves. And God is saying through Paul, oh yes there is. There's a whole greater realm out there but I'm not keeping it to myself. I want to show you. Remember Jesus came to reveal the truth, to be a witness of the truth. The Spirit has been given to us to bear witness of the truth to us, to show us the truth of what God, who God is, what God is like, and what God has done for us. Verse 13. 
These things, and this is really what I want you to see, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Spirit teaches us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Stay there a second. So what he's saying, it's a little difficult because Paul sometimes writes this way. What he's saying to you, the words that I'm speaking to you, I didn't come up with on my own. Remember he said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I've come to you in the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. So I've endeavored to speak to you only, not man's wisdom, but the wisdom that I've gotten through the Holy Spirit to share with you, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And here's where people make a mistake when they try to compare spiritual things with natural things. Go to the next verse. Here's why. Because the natural man, the man without the Spirit of God in him, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. My grandfather had on his, next to his chair, I don't even know if they make them anymore, this huge radio. It was a shortwave radio. And it was amazing to me because you could tune in and you could hear things from Russia, you could hear things from other parts of the world, radio, the voice of Radio America, I think it was called, or voice, whatever, there was things that used to, where news was, I don't even know if it exists anymore. But, but, but it was interesting, as I would go along, I'd hit one station, and that station would be coming in from, I don't know, from England. And I'd go just a little bit further, and I wouldn't hear the people talking from England, I would now hear somebody from... Russia. Just by changing frequencies, and all those signals were out there. They were all present in my grandfather's bedroom, which is a huge bedroom. They were all there, but this receiver was able to discern only one at a time, and I could only hear that station that it was tuned to. It would have been foolish for me to think that the only radio, shortwave radio station out there was Radio Free Europe or Voice of America in Europe, whatever it was, and that there were no others out there, just because I'm only hearing this one. Because I, that, that receiver was only, and it could only pick up shortwave radios. It didn't pick up FM. It didn't pick up AM. It didn't pick up TV. Why? Because there are different wavelengths, different frequencies, and the, the receiver determines what you can pick up. Everybody with me so far? Same is true spiritually. Somebody that does not have the Spirit of God inside of them, someone that is not spiritually alive, cannot pick up and discern a message that's coming from the Spirit, unless it's coming from another spirit. Oh, I've got to be careful. I don't want to get off on this too long. This is why you've got to be careful what spirit you're listening to. Please do not play with Ouija boards. Please do not play with tarot cards and seances, seances or seances. Please do not play with anything that's spiritual other than the Spirit of God. Why? Because God doesn't want us to have fun. No. God knows things we don't know. 
there are many spirits out there. And when you open, listen carefully, when you open your heart and your mind to spirits to speak to you, there are spirits that are not from God that are just waiting for that opportunity. Well, how do I know? If it doesn't line up with this, it's not the Spirit of God because He wrote this. And there are other signs. And if you're not sure, come talk to one of us or talk to your connect leader. Somebody that's in leadership that's mature that can help you discern. But don't just assume you're hearing. But the big thing is don't listen for it. But I'm talking about people out there in the world. They can't understand what we're talking about this morning. That's why I've seen, I've seen very good pastors on what used to be Larry King's program and some of those other talk shows trying to explain Christianity. You can't. They're AM and where he's FM. There's no way. He doesn't have the receptor. If they're going to preach the gospel, something else. Verse 15, we've got to move on. But he who is spiritual judges or discerns all things, and yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. We're, I'm not going to really get into what all that means. I just want to show you. Let's go on. Verse 16. For who knows the mind of the who, who has known the mind of the Lord that we can instruct you? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. I want to go now. I want to begin to talk. So what the whole point of all going through 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 is this. To again reinforce from the word that the reality, there is a reality out there. There's a spirit realm out there that is more real than this realm. This realm is going to pass away. That realm is eternal. It will never pass away. Everything in this realm came out of that realm. And so, just to know, to understand when you're talking or people are talking, you're hearing things from people that, that do not have the Spirit of God, that are not, not alive unto God. They can't understand you if you're trying to explain things to them because they don't have the receptor in them that you have. And you've heard me tell that, you know, I was studying this Bible, reading this Bible before I was born again, and I could get nothing out of it. The next night when I sat down, this word exploded to me. What happened overnight? Did I suddenly get smart? No. The author now lived inside of me. And he was illuminating things from the inside. All right, go with me now to, to we're going to look at, begin to look today in the short time we have left. I'm just going to introduce this to you. John 17. So, what, what, again, we're talking to Christians, by and large. Pilate asked the question, what is truth? John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify means set them apart. Set them apart from the world. Your word is truth. That is so profound, it's easy to miss. Let me tell you what that's not saying. That's not saying God tells the truth. God tells the truth, but it's far more than that. It tells you why God tells the truth. It tells you why the scriptures say in several places, God cannot lie. That is telling us 
the truth is whatever God says. Now, my mother tried that when I was growing up. She said, look, son, if I say black is white, it's white. <laughs> if I say up is down, it's up, it's up, it's down, because I said so. Well, that didn't change up, and it didn't change down, it didn't change black, and it didn't change white, it didn't change anything. But if God says up is down, it's now down. Remember, I can only introduce this this morning. Remember, back in the beginning, everything that exists in this realm came out of God's words. And God said. And God said. And there was. That's the pattern. And God said. And there was. And God said it was good. And God said. And there was. Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, we talked about this before. We, by faith we understand that the worlds, this age, this realm, was, was formed by things that are not visible. God's words. Hebrews 1.3 says, All things are upheld by the word of His power. Not the power of His words. The word of His power. The expression of His power. In other words, <clears throat> back when the Big Bang banged, which was when God said, I can tell them what the Big Bang is, and God said. Everything that came into existence when God said it, thousands and thousands or millions of years ago, whichever it is, is still held together by the power of those words. So the postmodernists have it right. Words form reality. Where they have it wrong is my words don't form my reality. It's God's word that form reality. And when I speak His words, it forms reality for me. So here's what you need to understand. Truth, according to the Bible, is defined as whatever God says. The fact that God says it makes it truth. So if God tried to lie, He can't lie, because if He tries to lie, that's now truth. I want you to get this, because this Word is God's Word. There's power in this Word. All the power that created the universe is in this Word when it comes out of your lips by faith. Satan is no match for the Word of God. What did Jesus use? when he was being tempted by the devil. He didn't argue with him. He didn't philosophize with him. He said simply, It is written. Why do we think we're smarter than he is? It is written. Truth. Pilate said, What is truth? Truth is standing before him. In front of him. He is the Word. Truth can only come from God. Truth. Facts can come from a Truth can only come from God. Because His Word is truth. So this is one of those expressions. You can turn it around and say, Truth is His Word. It's true because God said it. And this is, the, this is where the postmodernists have, the postmodern have, have drifted over because they think they're, I'm my own God. 
I can do, instinctively, say, we've got to stop, John, be careful. You're going to get into things you take too long to go through right now. But we ended last week in Romans chapter 1, where Paul's talking about God's view towards men that suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And he says, they worship the creature rather than the creator. We think that we're our own creator. So postmodernists have go to the point now, I form truth for me by my own words. See what that's doing? That's instinctively taking what we instinctively know God is like and applying it just to myself and leaving God out of it. Are, are you following me? We'll pick up on this next week a little bit. But truth is whatever God says. Because His words are creative. You and I just say words that predict unless we say words that agree with God's word and we say them in faith. And we're going to end here because I'll get into things I don't have time to get through. Father, we thank You that You've loved us so much. Help us today as believers to grasp what Your Word has told us today. That there's a realm out there. There's a, there's a realm out there that, that is filled with things You have for us, that You've prepared for us. You've told us in Your Word there's an inheritance that we have together with all the saints. Your word tells us that there's a hope of glory out there for us in that realm with all the saints. Your word's made that promise to us. And Lord, we live in a world that's so dark and so confusing and seeming as if, as if it's, it's, we're, we're losing our power, but the power we've lost is because we're trying to do things the world's way. We repent of that, Father. We come to you to open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Father, I pray for each and every one of us today as we prepare to go back out into that world that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to discern the lie from the truth and open our hearts to receive and to understand in our hearts the reality that your word is truth that we can stand on it for the rest of our lives and for eternity. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.